Hey guys, it's the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 194. Uh, Nerdist Channel has a bunch of new episodes of stuff this week. All-Star Celebrity Bowling, a brand new face-to-face with Weird Al Yankovic. Go to youtube.com slash Nerdist to see uh, all of the uh, video delights we're cooking up for your eyes and ears over there. And then click subscribe so we don't die. Thank you. Our returning sponsor to the Nerdist Podcast is Stamps.com. I don't know why I was taking all NPR like that, Katie. Why do I have to get all NPR sometimes? Whether you're running a business or you're you're working from home or you're selling items through online sites, be it Etsy or any kind of thing that you want to sell and send out. If you want to use the mail, Stamps.com is perfect if you're operating out of your home because you you don't have to leave your house. You don't have to go to a post office. You, you print out postage from from your computer, any computer, really, if you have a Stamps.com account, and then uh, Mr. Postman will come pick it right up. You just you put it outside, and then he will know what to do. So that's it. Uh, it is a one-stop shop. You print out the exact amount of postage you need. You slap it on. You can print on an envelope if you want to, and someday maybe you'll be able to print onto a box. Oh, a box printer. Wouldn't that be fun? We don't have those yet. Oh, technology someday. Right now, Stamps.com has a special offer for Nerdist Podcast listeners. Using the promo code NERDIST, you get a no-risk trial, $110 bonus offer, which includes a digital scale and 55 bucks and free postage. So please don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in NERDIST. That is it. Stamps.com and enter the promo code NERDIST. You guys, you can't see it, but I'm throwing up the horns right now. I am throwing up the mother friggin' horns. This episode is Tenacious D. I am so, 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 so times a million psyched that we got them uh, on the podcast. Jack and Kyle came over to uh, Swing House Studios in Los Angeles. Uh, we sat down, recorded an episode of the podcast, and then uh, they played songs at the end from their upcoming album, Rise of the Phoenix which comes out May 15th. Uh, I, I got a preview copy of it, and the album fucking kicks ass. I Not only is the music great, but the whole... It's this really kind of honest story about what happened from the, the last Tenacious D album to this Tenacious D album with Jack getting super famous and kind of leaving Kyle behind, and uh, it's, it's really good. Like, the whole album tells a really nice story. I think it's a genuinely fantastic rock album, so... Tenacious D, Rise of the Phoenix, out May 15th. And now, right here for you, uh, they're going to play a song at the end of the podcast from from the upcoming album. And then uh, some uh, some older stuff that I requested. I, I I tried to play Puppet Master a little bit with Tenacious D. Like, will you play this song? And they were awesome and totally obliged. So I send you huge uh, satanic hugs, uh, Jack and Kyle. Thanks for coming on the Nerdist Podcast number 193, Tenacious D. I just turned into Brian Posehn for a sec. Tenacious D! Please don't tell Brian that I imitate him that way. I loves him. Now entering Nerdist.com Well, here we are. I think we already just started. We did. Wait, let me put on my headphones. Put headphones. That was a soft, soft opening. We like to stumble into the recordings. We always have a soft we takeoff. We Tenacious D. Yeah. <laughs> Opus 5, number 4. Opus 5. I don't hear much. Anymore. When I hear Opus, I just think of that delicious Opus 1.
that delicious wine. Have you ever tried that yummy wine? No. Opus One. Oh, it's very expensive. I just Does think it have the- a woody texture? Um, I don't know. Is it oaky? It kind of tastes like the milkshake of wines. Mm. It's like a deliciously <laughs> sweet. Should. If they put that on the fucking label, <laughs> they would sell the shit out of that. They I kind just... of do with that brand cake bread. Cake bread. It's like, oh, tastes like cake wine. Yep. There's, uh, they also have a, just like chocolate milk wine. Have yeah. you tried that? No. It's fucking, it's, it's horrible because of how good it is. You taste it and you're like, oh, I could just fucking get fucked up. Off oh, you're not milk. joking. This I'm is not. a real thing. This is a real thing that I did, made a mistake drinking an entire bottle of chocolate milk wine. So it's yeah. like, For it's kids. like Mike's hard lemonade where it's like, it's just delicious lemonade. It's and then before fancy, you know it, you're shit faced. It's like in a fancy bottle and then you pour it in. It looks just like chocolate milk. Tastes just like chocolate mm. milk. Can I and submit then, a, a stupid hacky jokey name? Sure. You hoo hoo. Okay. <laughs> is that okay or is that not? I'll let them know next time I buy it from the liquor store. <laughs> it sounds like it, that sounds like a fucking yeehaw sketch. Yeah. You get that chocolate milk wine. <laughs> so one bottle and you were shit faced. I don't know if I finished the bottle. Right. Yeah. And then was there barf? No, no. I rarely b- barf from puking. But it wasn't you really you, what I really uh, so puking really, doesn't make you throw up. No, it's an interesting thing. But puking makes me barf. Okay, but throwing up makes me no. I rarely uh, puke from drinking. But do you remember the night? Uh, a bit. It was not. It was not. Was it a good buzz? Were you having? Yeah, a good it was time? actually it was a lot of fun because the amount of sugar in it. It's almost right. like having one of those like sparks, like energy booze yeah. liquors, and you're just wired and drunk and having a blast. Well, I'm sorry to to catch you in in a in a inaccuracy, but you said uh, <laughs> I I made the mistake of drinking the whole bottle. The hangover. If, the oh, hangover the next what, day. Yeah, right. Any sugary booze will do that though. You forgot to eat the cookies. Really? <laughs> the cookies. Did you feel like recounting a historical event at that moment? I did. I, f- I felt it. its importance was just as much as any other historical <laughs> Is that event. a reference to drunk history? It was. It was pretty <laughs> opaque. Yeah. I have to say, but now whenever somebody gets really drunk, I want them to... It's a, Any drunken time that doesn't get filmed with history is a missed opportunity now. Yeah, yeah. Have you guys checked out Drunk History? We yeah, have seen no. the shit out of Drunk History. I remember Derek talking about it for years and everyone going, yeah, yeah, you should put that together. A weirdo. <laughs> and then uh, became the internet. That became the internet. Wow. Wow. So yeah. he was walking around uh, talking up his show before there was a show? He was talking about it a lot. He's like, I just think it'd be funny. And then he would you know, go and reference like Candlebox or something like that. And then uh, he would go on to talk about... No, wait, did you, was, that, was that just you shitting on him, referencing the band Candlebox? <laughs> That's all he does. He just references Candlebox. <laughs> and amidst every conversation it comes up. <laughs> You're allowed to Candlebox. love Candlebox if you also are a genius. Like, Are you? like Derek, right? Yeah, I think so. I let it go. Well, that's the rule. His crazy obsession with Pearl Jam. So it's more of a so liking Candlebox is an acceptable quirk, but not actually a respectable thing. It's look, much if just- you're Einstein, you can love Matchbox Twenty, <laughs> and you lose almost none I'm of your. I'm to push you around. Yeah. I want to push you around. That's the, was he a when a guy like that, when a guy like that, like listens to a, a shitty band, you're just like, you go, no, maybe I could see it. I could yeah. see they're pretty. They have their, they have their parts. There's exactly. Parts. Yeah. He'll change the world <laughs> to liking them. I like a little bit physics. I don't see the two working together, <laughs> dude. We could probably I that song. we could probably say we could admit some some songs and bands that we like that would be. Uh, Sure. All right, that let's would, do it. I, we'll all admit a song in advance. I don't think we're we're not genius enough though to warrant our love of some of the shitty music that we like. I'm gonna stop. Mm-bop. 
Really? I kind of, you know, I respect Hanson. Yeah. They weren't a teeny bopper band. I mean, they were to an extent, but they all played their own instruments and wrote their own music. That's Kyle's, though. I'm not going to jump on that. Okay, that's <laughs> Kyle's. Gonna, you're not Kyle loves Guilty pleasure. I was more, I, I have a weakness for the... Yo, Joseph, I'm sorry. You're fucking with a different story. It's a world in my hand, and you're me let it from me. It's because of that part. Let it from me. Yes. I love it. What's yours, Joan? Uh, one headlight by the Wallflowers. Oh. Ah. I just, uh, I can't, I, every time I, I put it, I, if it's on the radio, I don't turn it off. I turn it up, and then I feel like I'm in some movie in a shitty truck driving down a lonely country road listening to Bob Dylan's Horrible Son. <laughs> yeah. Part of, one of those is true. Yeah. I'm looking up. Just, uh, I like how they always say with Wallflowers, discovered at the Kibitz Room at Cantor's. <laughs> Someone discovered he was Bob Dylan's son <laughs> while drinking at the Kibitz Room at Cantor's. Yeah. So anyway, this next song was written by me, the son of Bob Dylan, yes. who... Wait, I think he might be Bob Dylan's yeah. son. He, they are one of those bands, though, where the people will just they'll, they'll go, yeah, that first album, yeah, whatever, they had the hit, but the second album, someone, always, there's always someone that likes the second album of a one-hit wonder. Of course. Someone did the math, and he sold like more records with his one album than Bob Dylan did in his entire career. Really? Well, no. It couldn't I mean, be that. That couldn't Someone be the actual stats. Someone did the math stats. and the math was wrong. The, the, the math. <laughs> but he did sell a lot yeah. more than you would think. A lot more yeah. than Bob, I think. It's kind of like how, how uh, um, Ringo Starr sold more hit singles than any other Beatle in there. Am I wrong about that? Isn't that he did pretty well. Right Is that box. possible? Yeah, than, than any other Beatle on their, on their solo-ness. Really? More than Imagine? Come on. Get, get him, Cage. I don't know. I don't, Kyle, know. I don't, I don't know if I believe everything. that's true. Even, even if it's not true, I do like... When you gotta sing and you gotta sing the blues and you know it don't... It's kind of the same phenomenon of how Becker was a huge hit mm-hmm. and you don't know anybody that listens to Becker. Right. It's the same thing with Ringo Starr's yep. like singles. He had huge hits that... I thought that way for a long time about Garth Brooks. Right. I He's like the biggest like, musician Hundreds of, of millions time, of albums. Right? Hundreds yeah. of millions. Yeah. Well, what do you get? You fucking fly around a stage at your live show. I don't buy that album. Hey, you know something? Everyone got friends in low places, Joe. And why don't you open up your fucking mind? Is that a reference to a Garth Brooks song? It is a reference yeah. to a Garth Brooks song. Was yeah. it, uh, I liked that uh, there was one Halloween where Ken Daly was, uh, what was the alter ego of Garth Brooks? Oh, Chris... Uh, Chris Haynes. Black hair. Oh, Chris Haynes. That's magic Haynes. there. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that was his Sasha Fierce. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Garth Brooks Did Sasha you have Fierce. that album? We need an alter ego. No, I never... I listened to it once because it was just... Uh, it was like we were working at a record store. It came out. We're like, this will be hilarious. And it was yeah. just so middle of the road that... It wasn't... Yeah. Your yeah. alter ego should be like the free design where you do these kind of upbeat, completely non-ironic... Uh, Songs about yeah. just things you like. like well, it's not, it's only funny when kites. they're not joking. Yeah, exactly. That's when it's really funny. Yeah, Chris like a bad Gaines. movie. Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. That's sorry. it. Chris Gaines. That's driving me crazy. Yeah. Oh, here's the. Here, yeah. Sorry. What did we say? Haynes. Did we say Chris Haynes? I said Chris Haynes. Yeah, I remember it was a, a Ken Daly, our friend, was like I couldn't tell what he was, and he's like, "Oh, I'm here. I'll, I'll show you." And then he just did the pose from the album cover. I was like, "Oh, Chris Gaines." <laughs> like emo. That was emo Garth Brooks, right? That yeah. Was the Serena to Garth is Samantha. And there was a whole backstory, and they were going to do a movie. Yeah. Based on the backstory of Chris Gaines. Well, that's good that that didn't happen. Yeah, and if you saw. Uh, Garth Brooks's uh, Saturday Night Live appearance. 
I, I wouldn't recommend an entire movie being done on him. Well, he just sort of made fun of his Chris Gaines, though. He didn't really do the Chris Gaines on the Saturday Night Live episode. Well, he hosted the entire episode. But not as Chris Not as Gaines. Chris Gaines. That would have been That great. was the thing. Well, that's yeah. what everyone was hoping. <laughs> was that he had really gone off the deep end for this Chris Gaines and was going to commit, but he didn't. Yeah. He didn't fully commit. He realized know. somewhere along the line. I don't want to freak everyone out, but I've never seen Garth Brooks and Chris Angel in the same room. Ooh, <sighs> do you think? Do you think? Do you think that Chris Angel's wearing a fat suit? Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Say. But when when he was Chris Gaines, he did get like emaciated. He was really skinny. Yeah. That was part of the transformation. Exactly. Because that he was, did that's look. What, very, that's what Gaines was all about. Who would have thought that Garth Brooks would become a Vegas act too? That always that's weirding me out right now. Well, I'm obsessed with Vegas acts. I was thinking. I think me and Kyle we're not far off from our Vegas act. You might be far no. off. But don't you think people would come? I think yeah. they I think they absolutely would come, but I also think I understand the appeal of Vegas. If you've been a touring act your entire life mm. and you just want to make a pile of money without having to travel all the time, I totally understand. Well, yeah. like, like the roots. Yeah. Like the roots and, when became the house band and, for Fallons, they don't have to tour anymore. But the other yeah. great thing about the other great thing about Garth Brooks like being just a Vegas actor is the that other he, great thing? Or just the great thing. <laughs> well, one of many great things, and I think we will all agree on. Um, is that uh, he never has to write another new song again as long as he lives. Like All Vegas people want to hear is just the songs that they already recognize. Yeah. So I think that's all anyone wants to hear. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not When true. you go to a show. Yeah. I remember when R.E.M., they'd always like, oh, man, they didn't play any of their hits. I remember I went to see R.E.M., and there was a drunk dude screaming, Radio Free Europe, fucker! <laughs> and he added fucker to the end. It sounds like, it like part, part of the, of the title. title. Yeah. And I didn't really know, because I was not hep to their, their hit single. Their back catalog. And I thought Radio Free Europe, fucker was a song. Radio yeah. Free Europe, fucker. That was the parenthetical. Fucker. fucker was in the parenthetical. Yeah. Yeah. And they did not play it. They did not play Radio Free Fucker. That'd be like if we didn't play Tribute or something. Yeah. It's like... Uh, it's saying, hey, we're more than that song. Yeah. <laughs> that is an interesting struggle, though. Like, you, I mean, I always think as a comedian, I can tell, I can do the same bits for a while, yeah. but not forever. And so, as a musician, like, how do you, like, how do you get up and play tribute and keep it fresh and still, like, make it fun and make it feel new? Ska yeah. version. Oh. Mm. I, yeah. Uh, I'm never concerned about feeling stale. Because the roar of the crowd is its own fresh, it's a freshener. When you hear the, because when Kyle just does a, and it, it's so loud that it shakes your chestal cavity. Yep. And it shakes up, it shakes off the, the, the mold that might have been on the song from how old it is. Yep. And it, it rises like the phoenix. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. What? Your new subtle, album is called Rise of the know? Phoenix. Subtle plug, subtle plug. How did you do that? Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed right. <laughs> it felt like it fit right there. I'm still in Vegas doing our act, though. What are okay. the other great things about being in Vegas? Here's the other great it. things. The food. Um, yeah. Yeah, good food. Uh, you're, yeah, you just park it. It becomes automatic. They let you stay in like the gnarliest hotel room, probably. But I think yeah. once you just get a, uh, you would if not you're there. You no. would get a house. Yeah, you would not live in the hotel room. I think you, you do. Would, I, think like, be, I think they do. You'd like commute in from Manilow's Henderson, it, but it'd be that so. Would be, rad. That, it'd, it'd be so rad to be in a like a fucking Vegas hotel and be like. That's a piano where Liberace had coke blown into his ass by a young Wayne Newton. Like, like there must be like Vegas must be drenched with those with yeah. those stories. 
But the mafia is gone, right? That's what they and say. Now it's a corporate mafia. And now the corporate <laughs> mafia yeah. is. But you know, you you'd get a, a sweet crib, be it you know the hotel or the, or a house. What else would be good? Uh, circus, circus, shrimp cocktails. Oh, getting to hang out with the worst people imaginable, <laughs> true, yeah. who are in fuck it mode because they're in Vegas and don't give a shit about anything. That would be yeah. awesome. Uh, well, you'd be right there for the World Series of Poker if you ever wanted to do that. <laughs> right, right. You just plug right in. Right, yeah. you're, you're there. Yeah, you're in the middle. You can constantly be performing for Middle America because they are always coming to you That's in right. Vegas. But speaking of which, I've always it's on my bucket list to do the World Series of Poker one time. Have you, have you want to are you good? You ever watch this World Series of Poker on, a little the, on bit. the ESPN? I yeah, I just I, I'm not really much of a poker player. Oh, yeah. Well, Kyle got me addicted early on, and now I, I don't think you'd enjoy it. Hey, Jack, what are you doing? Yeah, but I could use that my celebrity to to distract to them, them and uh, yeah, and win <laughs> pots. I do that sometimes. Yeah. I befriend them or or hypnotize them with a tale of of Hollywood yore. <laughs> And before they know it, I've bluffed them out of their fucking shorts. Like, uh, like the snake uh, Ka from Jungle Book. You just stare in their eyes. Yeah. And then your eyes get all pinwheely. And then they That's the first Ka reference trip. I've had all day. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, <laughs> though. This is the longest you've gone. And then Polly Shore told us he wanted us to be in Biodome. What, what? Oh, I <laughs> just lost. Fun. Yeah, that's right, bitch. That's my money now. Oh, but that story was so good. It was worth it. Oh, I never told you my guilty pleasure song. Yes. Was by up. <laughs> I can't. I'm sad to admit this, but you all did. It's uh, everything's so blurry and everyone's up. You know the one that goes, can you take it all away? Oh, yeah. Can puddle you of, take it? It's that Puddle same. of Mud? Yeah, Puddle of Mud oh, with two Ds. Oh, yeah. It's Wait, wasn't this, that your song too? <laughs> no, no. They just sound, they no, had the same yeah, kind same of hook. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of a major minor thing. I have, to, I have to confess, whenever I hear about Puddle of Mud, there was a while where we were really um, being pretty mean to Puddle of Mud. <laughs> Like whenever we were on stage, I would, I would talk shit about Puddle of Mud for some reason. It just bothered me that he was doing a Kurt Cobain, you know. Yeah, right. He was filling those shoes, and and I thought he was posing a lot in the music video. And uh, I don't remember what I said, but then when we saw him at the Gorge, we were at the festival up there years and years ago, and I met him, and uh, I felt like he knew that I had been talking shit, but he didn't say it. He was like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" Uh, just want you to know that I'm a big fan. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Feelings mutual, feelings mutual. Yeah, just a lot of italicized. And it's I'm, I'm, right, I'm going to go over there. It's not yeah. mutual when I'm on stage. I'm a big fan. But if just I was, let you know. If I was a real man, I would have said, hey, I got to confess, man. I have talked some shit about you. <laughs> oh, no. But, what is that? That's a real that? sign of masculinity to bring yeah, that yeah. up? Well, to be, uh, yeah, to be forthright. But what if you said that? He's like, What? I just told you I was a big fan, and here you go telling me you make fun of me on you know stage. What, you know what's got to be hard though is that listen, you get. I lost my headphones. I don't know if they're if we're still being recorded. Anyway, yeah. um, but what what must be tough is that you are a human being like anyone else with opinions. Yeah, but. You guys are famous, and so when you say your opinions, yeah. they get out in the world, yeah. and then people it's like you're more you're almost more accountable. Yeah. Than, than than most people, so I. I don't. I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, I don't. Yeah, sure. But then inside, you go, "Why did I talk shit about that guy?" Dude, <laughs> it, it it has happened a few times where it's blown up in my face. What? Like, like, the, what? The, there was another time. Be on your there was another time. We, we we did a show where. Uh, well, here's what happened. I went to do this thing. It was an Obama thing at the. It was a, it was a Kennedy Center honors thing, and they were honoring a bunch of uh, people. 
and I was there to like uh, say something about uh, Mel Brooks, mm-hmm. and then uh, who else was? No, this was, it was for the Who. I was honoring. I was honoring. Uh, I get the, the Who and Mel Brooks mixed up all the time. Honestly. Okay. Anyway, I did. I did two of them, and so then afterwards, I'm sitting there at the special Kennedy Center dinner, eating the chicken, and uh, I'm I'm sitting next to a dude from uh, uh, what's it called? Matchbox Twenty. Yeah, Matchbox Twenty. Oh, Rob. Uh, yeah, Rob. Rob Thomas. Mm-hmm. Rob Thomas. And he goes, "Hey, uh, I, I saw you guys one time at uh, the El Rey, Uh-oh. and uh, it was really funny because." Uh, you said, uh, bring me the head of uh, the singer of Matchbox 20. And I guess you didn't know that I was actually in the audience. And it was just very, very weird. Because, you know, people looked around at me and they were like, oh, uh, he wants me to bring you his head. And, um, yeah, so it was weird. But I'm a huge fan. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, dude, let me tell you. And then I ha- then it was like right in my face that I you know and I couldn't. Then you have to say I couldn't my t- plan worked and, and I- cut off his head. <laughs> right, right, you just fucking cut off his head. That's the only way you can get out of that, Jack. No, I said what I said was, uh, dude. You know we go after everyone. <laughs> it's really it's a form of a compliment. You, we've gone after you. Yeah, you again. <laughs> that's just, everyone. That just says no one's safe, man. Nothing sacred. <laughs> but uh, he he pretty much took it in stride, though. I think uh, that's another thing. When you when you have attained a certain uh, level of yeah. notoriety, you, don't, you, don't. you have to have a shell. You've got to have like a certain amount of uh, uh, steel. To, to protect yourself from from the slinging shit. Well, especially the sort of the voice of Tenacious D, you know. I mean, I almost feel like, you know, people really shouldn't take anything you say too seriously. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it's all in fun. You know, it's not like, it's not like Chris Gaines on stage. <laughs> right, about right. right. Chris, no, but, welcome Garth Brooks. Yeah. I mean, they should understand, like, I, I think I would be honored Right, because that's what I'm saying. It's sort of like, sort of like you know. Yeah, like, you were thought of enough to actually. Well, yeah. then I'd like to preemptively say that uh, we do. Nah, fuck it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna send any warnings. You know what I was about to say? No. I was just gonna talk about Rock is Dead. Oh hey, my god! I'm just worried because we 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 do a little mean shout out to uh, to someone in that song in the upcoming album. People are gonna hear it anyway. Yeah. So just reveal. Yeah. What is it? Nah, fuck it. Never mind. It's Lenny. <laughs> we'll guess. Lenny Kravitz. No. Uh, it was Axl Rose. Oh. oh. And uh, Couldn't I, be any worse than what Andy I don't Preboy think Axl Rose exists. Then I kept on going back. Oh, exactly. Right? right? True. So you, whatever you say about Axl Rose is not worse than what White Trash Wins Lotto But they never name-checked him in that. They never Everyone said his name. Knew. Everyone knew. <laughs> Everyone fucking knew. Did he shut it down? Did he cease and desist that himself? I don't know. I feel like that went on for a long time. I yeah. think maybe it just ran its course naturally. But... For those of people listening to this podcast, if you haven't heard of White Trash Wins Lotto, it was an incredible musical about Guns N' Roses, uh, and uh, and it, it used no Guns N' Roses songs. No, it was all original, like like uh, you know Broadway musical type music. We'll Would call you it describe the, it. We'll call it the subtext of Guns N' Roses. It was an incredible show, and I, I saw it like a hundred times at Largo. Right, and. Uh, and it was kind of a tragic story because the dude that wrote that musical had the world in his hands. It was the most popular show at Largo. People were packed, lying around the block to see it every night. And then dude from uh, Boogie Nights, director, Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. 
was like, I love it. I want to make a movie out of this. And then dude that created White Trash Wins Lotto went kind of off the deep end, I think, a little bit. A little bit. He was just a little high on his own supply. And he said, I will allow you to direct it uh, with following the following conditions. A, I have complete creative control. I have complete control over the casting. I have absolute script approval. I will be on the set in your back pocket. I will get co-director. I will also have, you know, just, I, I'm making these things yeah. up. Right, right, right. But he just had a bunch of demands. So it was like, this and sounds like, like a lot and of so work. Then, and then Paul Thomas Anderson was like, ah, never mind. Oh. <laughs> and then, so what happened was nothing. And then it just disappeared. <laughs> and I don't know what it's That was Andy Preboy. Andy Preboy was in Wall of Voodoo, right? He was yeah. in Wall of Voodoo, I think. Yeah. Am I right about that, Jonah? Yes, he uh, was. Yeah. Yeah. He but apparently come. past the cool time. I don't know. Was there a cool time for Wall of Voodoo? Uh, well, for Mexican radio. Yeah. Wall of Voodoo. He wasn't there during the, the Wall of the Mexican radio. Yeah. Okay. He came in right after that. You know, on the downslide of Wall of Voodoo. <laughs> God, we were all, I think everyone remembers exactly where they were when they heard Wall of Voodoo <laughs> broke up. Jack, where were you? Oh, yeah. No, I was sitting on, a, on the can, and my mom <laughs> yelled. As she, I just heard her scream, and then I heard plates breaking, and I came out with my pants over my legs. What? I was in Hermosa Beach in 1987. <laughs> I think we all have a similar tale. No, we all, our moms all told us about Wall of Voodoo. <laughs> no. Uh, this guy, KG, and I, many years ago, did a little show called Rock of Ages together, which was fucking fun. God, it was fun, wasn't it? Was, it? So, it was so Don't much Don't forget fun. about the fun. Million, million Dollar Karaoke, Rock of Ages. We did it at just like a small rock club here in, in L.A., and then... Then it went to Broadway, and now it's a uh, now the and now Tom Cruise is playing your role. I know that's so. <laughs> I know. I still. I mean, it's and not... I have Alec Baldwin playing my. Part. You have Alec Baldwin playing your. Yeah. Role? yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, I have not seen the Broadway version of Rock of Ages. Yet. Nor have I. I heard there was a guy that was incredible and did a really good Jack Black impersonation. The guy, yeah, the guy that played Lonnie. What's disturbing is that I've seen the commercials that he's done the Keystone. Yeah, Keystone beer. beer. And it, he does have bear a striking resemblance to like the cloned version of me that's like a little taller and better looking. <laughs> but he's got all the eyebrow powers and he's got all my things, yeah. but just just slightly better in every other way. It's very annoying. You know what's now? This is an interesting just to tie. He's the T one thousand version of me. Liquid metal. Yeah. Liquid Jack Black. <laughs> what I this is interesting. This sort of ties into what you said earlier about. Uh, a puddle of mud or all those bands being Cobain knockoffs as soon as they there's a weird sort of Darwinian thing that happens where you know like uh, you know let's say Pearl Jam gets popular or Stone Temple Pilots or whatever and then all of a sudden all the A&R people all go out and start finding the copy band so it's not like those people are necessarily purposely trying to rub other it's just mm. that's what's being delivered to the public yeah. and so when you guys popped and you got super famous I cannot tell you, pilot season after pilot season, you know, a young Jack Black type. Yeah. Like, you were, you became a fucking type. Yeah. And I saw so many, like, dudes doing that, that just doing an impression of you. That was I know. like, okay, come on, guys. Yeah, it's weird. What are we doing? Yeah. And then everyone got tired of Jack Black type. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. It's everyone doing the type. No, it's all the types it's timeless. fucking it's it up. Timeless. How did you guys? How did you? How did you sell the tenacious D? Did you guys was was actors gang or you guys? Do you, was your actors gang background? It was uh, it was uh, actors gang 
was what brought us together. There's a theater company uh, in the 80s called the Actors Gang. They're still here. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but we, were, we were there at the beginning, at the, at the earliest, at the roots. Okay, not at the very beginning. No. But we were there like in yeah, the early, early stages. Prime time. And uh, yeah, and, and, and we were like the musical dudes of the, of the theater company. And, uh, and we, we uh, just started hanging out and became best stoner buddies. And we would go over to, to KJ's apartment and, um, and just jam smoke pot and uh, pretend like we were in a rock band. <laughs> I and I would bring over Jack in the Box in exchange for lessons. <laughs> there were good times. There were golden times. I heard a story, and I think maybe Chris Dorenzo told me this story, where you, uh, <laughs> I think he said there was something like an apartment with pizza boxes everywhere, and you sat down, and you had this weird vision, and you scribbled out this logo and you wrote Tenacious D on it, and you were like, this is it. That's not true. <laughs> okay. I, I like the mythology of that story, though. But there's some, there some truth to that, uh, that junkiness to it. But um, It wasn't pizza boxes. It was Jack in the Box rappers. Oh, right. That's Jack the only yeah. Yeah. I do have a theory, though, that all good art comes from uh, junkie hangouts. <laughs> Everything that comes like from a clean place where people c- gather to... For the purpose of making something is not as good as just uh, we just happen to be hanging out and uh, funny shit that makes us laugh uh, accidentally happened. And then we were like, we should just do this live. We should do this as a show. That's going to be the best stuff. Do you know what I mean, Kitch? Um, I knew there was a reason I should stop cleaning my desk. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know. What, that's I, what that's we're, we're chasing the dragon and we just got to get messy again. OK, I, I think what you're saying is that the, the, the best comedy comes from that sort of spontaneous organic part of your brain rather than the let's engineer a comedy thing part of the brain. I think they come from two different parts of the brain. One's more creative and the other is a little more like, I don't know. It, this is what comedy would be like. I guess there's no, there's no real, I mean, there's lots of ways to skin a cat. There's great shows on TV that, you know, are manufactured, but, uh, it seems to me the, the best shit is like the Coen Brothers stuff where it's like, those guys were just hanging out, uh, forget it. (laughs) <laughs> you just got bored with it. I got bored I, I can see you guys You're like I'm bored uh, with my own I, I thought was, you got lost In the fantasy Of just thinking about The Coen, Coen Brothers Hanging out oh, Well like Well right now What makes me laugh Are the things That I get excited About watching Is like A new Eastbound And Down episode Is coming yeah. And you know Those dudes Are just Stoners hanging out Making each other laugh And uh, And they just Happen to You know get into the industry. Mm-hmm. It's not the other way around where it's like they were both, they were independent. It's like, it comes from a friendship. It's like they would, they'd be hanging out it, whether or not they had a show. They'd be hanging out yeah. and funny shit would be happening that would be way funnier than the quote unquote pros of comedy. Yep. Like when me and Cage first got in, in back in the 80s and uh, going to, to comedy clubs, we were looking around at the other comedians doing sketches and stand up and going, God, these guys aren't funny at all. And they're like, they're really successful comedians because uh, what was funnier to us was just natural stupidity. Right. It's hard to explain. but No, as opposed to like jokey pun song. Yeah. I mean, you really redefined um, 
there for the longest time you could not bring a guitar into a comedy club without people going, Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah. What's he gonna fucking <laughs> There's a bathroom on the right, you know, just like that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you know, uh I, I had a small, um, a very small, uh, with my best friend, a musical comedy duo, and we were only able to get booked in clubs because you guys made it okay. <laughs> uh, we stopped doing clubs because we realized that people didn't want to sit through a, basically a four-minute <laughs> musical sketch. But <laughs> but anyway, you you sort of re-ushered in the it's okay to do music and comedy together uh, on stage. Nice. I didn't know that. It's yeah. absolutely true. Well, yeah, before I'm, that, Guitar Comics really had a bad... A really bad rap. You mean we made it possible for other musical comedy acts to come after us? Yeah, mm-hmm. like say... Uh, I wasn't aware of that. Flight of the Concords. What? Not no, it's like <laughs> night and day. Potato, potato. <laughs> they do folk. How we do rock. <laughs> it's, an, it's an entirely different beast. They don't, they don't know. I can't think of one similarity. Well, the other the other thing about friends getting together and fucking around and getting stuff made, uh, Heat Vision and Jack, fucking amazing. Oh, thank oh. you. Yes, uh, good times. Isn't that the most expensive pilot ever made? It was. It was. That was its Achilles heel. Where did all the money heel. go? Come on. It was the coolest, <laughs> and the yet money it cost on the screen? more than anything else on the on the network. Um, thank God that didn't go. He would have been stuck in a TV a show for seven years. Ben Stiller directed that, and he's a genius. But uh, he also has very expensive taste. <laughs> um, like Tropic Thunder was a blast to do, but it was also incredibly expensive. We, we were out in the most beautiful part of Hawaii filming yep. the whole thing and had like Oscar, multi-Oscar award winning cinematographer John Toll who like shot the, the thin red line. It's like, right. really? Do we need that? Does that make it funnier? <laughs> and it does make it funnier, but it does make it better. And, but that's the, it's a, that's it's a it plus was. and a minus. That's what it was. That's, that's the thing that I, that's the thing that I'm, that I think I was getting at before is, and it's the same thing with Tropic Thunder and the, th- and the same thing with your music is it's not just like, Oh, these are two guys who learned three chords. You can tell that the musicianship is awesome. You can tell with Tropic Thunder. It's I, Tropic Thunder was my favorite movie. Of, was it 09 that mm. that came out? I got to see Tropic Thunder in L.A., and then I went to Memphis to visit my dad, and I saw it in a theater with Memphians, and the two different audiences laughed in entirely different places. Oh, really? Yeah. My dad thought the, the, the booty... Um, uh, he thought that commercial at the booty beginning... Juice. Booty <laughs> was an actual commercial. It was like... <laughs> Why would they play that commercial? And I'm like, yeah, that was part of the movie. He was like, what? I go, yeah, he said pussy in it. Like, that's, you don't, it's not okay in a theater. And he was like, oh, I guess I didn't think about that. But it, it's it's the idea of the... Your the, dad didn't have the ironic detachment? He did not have it at all. My dad is very... On, he believes what you, he believes everything he sees. Yeah. He's, he's, he is America. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's the idea of having the quality of the construction of the piece be so well executed. And then on top of that... The extra layer of oh, it's also fucking funny. Yeah. yeah. So you're not just you're not just falling back on you know just jokes like that. I listened to your new album, Rise of the Phoenix. Oh, did you? And it's fuck. <laughs> it's so fucking awesome. Like the music. I was in the shower this morning playing on my uh, iPhone through a, a speaker. I was singing Double Team in the shower this oh, morning. Oh, nice. What? And just fucking digging on <laughs> on the music and the breakdowns. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I can't disagree with Chris on that. I have to agree. The music is is powerful. Who'd you get to play on this one? 
what did we get to play? Who did you get to play? Like other people? Like did you get same some of the band, Vandals guys? N- no, the same dudes as the last album. Oh, okay. We got because Dave Grohl on drums. He's always been our drummer on all the albums. Very fortunate that uh, we somehow have hypnotized him to doing it. Yeah, why does he keep coming back? I don't know. Loves comedy. Can't it figure seems. it out. He is funny. He seems funny. I don't know Dave Grohl, but he seems funny. We're the only. It's the only time he really feels like he's back at Nirvana level of <laughs> of quality is when he is with the D. He's doing so, all right on his own. That's weird know. that he's living vicariously through you to get to his old band. <laughs> he just when he gets with the D behind the kid, he's like, finally, uh, I'm back with Chris. Um, <laughs> no, I think he just whatever he. You know what? We are simpatico in the in the sense of humor department, and uh, and we have the same taste in rock. So he he's championed us. He's a he's a sweet guy. If he's he's kind of shepherded us. He saw us early on at the Viper Room before we had a TV show or anything like that, with like you know fifty people in the audience, and he he sort of nurtured us and. Helped us along our way. We owe him a great debt. And, and then, and then Kyle assembled the rest of the band because he's kind of like the dude that creates bands. You, he's got an incredible mind for uh, an instinct for young talent. <laughs> I'm the Svengali. You're a Svengali. You're the. Did you ever see that movie, The Idol Maker, with Richard Gere? Oh yeah, of course. Kyle's like Richard Gere Richard in The Idol Maker. He wasn't in that, was he? Wasn't he? No. Who was the idol maker? Let's just say it was Richard Gere. Oh. Who gives a shit? Is anyone really going to go watch it after hearing this? <laughs> Let's stop down and but figure it out. Kyle People. found Kyle found some musicians, and uh, and uh, I have to applaud him. I wish that I could take credit for the band. John Spiker on bass. But Kyle uh, handpicked young talent. John Kaneski on Who uh, were virtually unknown before. Shreddy, John Kaneski. But then yes, the, uh, that's right. You know John. I know John. I know Spiker, too. Yeah. And I always marvel at He's our band. Right when we there. go out and play... When we play live, we got Brooks Wackerman on drums. That's not uh, a real name. It is. And his whole family are incredible drummers. Really? Yeah. The Wackermans. I know. That can't be. Damn it. Yeah. It, it's got yeah, whack in the name. I know. I know. Uh, it's a percussive name. <laughs> it's an onomatopoeia. I saw you guys in Atlanta at whatever the Atlanta... Um, basketball stadium was like several several years ago oh yeah i ran into you at the airport right after we had done rock of ages and you're like we're playing a show and you invited me and i came and it was fucking great i remember that was like the last show of the tour didn't we cl- end it on atlanta i think we closed it out at, in atlanta was that was that the pick of destiny or was that before that it was i think it was i don't think pick had come Maybe Pick had just come out because I think... Was it just us or was there a band? There was a band and then there was a whole, like, I think there might have been a Going to Hell storyline. Oh, yeah. No, that was the Pick of Destiny tour, yeah. That was wild. That was fun. I remember that was a good show. That was a crazy venue, yeah. It was like a basketball court or something. Is it... I I feel like it... I feel like it's uh, as a comedian, I would always think, oh, my God, I want to open for Tenacious D and I have a lot of friends who've opened for you guys and it's tough because everyone wants to see... You I know. and so it's sort um uh what are our, our friends the uh uh the Chuck Norris uh oh yeah the uh the uh, uh come on with Rivkin and, and Kirk Ward. Michael Rivkin and Kirk yes. oh um Superfloss uh, Superfloss super super oh yeah. yeah yes it's a rough slot even if you're a funny band yeah because our our fans a lot of them apparently are not fans of uh, music they really just are fans of Tenacious D. So even if you're really good, too bad. Yeah. 
And I, that's why I actually prefer to have people we don't know open for us so that when they receive the punishment, I don't feel as bad. <laughs> I'm not in the wings going, oh, that's my friend mm-hmm. you're crushing. Um, uh, you maybe we should it? scold them before and don't force wanna, them to have an Do you want to like rush out when, when your friends are on stage having a tough time and say everyone like, people, these are guests in our yeah. home. Can you please? Well, Bobcat, Goldman always tells stories about when he was opening up for Nirvana and how horrible it was and how yeah. people would just throw shit Why would he want to open for Nirvana? Because Kurt wanted him to open up yeah. for him. And it just, it yeah. just said it was like, and he would just like be dying on stage. He looked to the side, and it's Kurt Cobain cracking up, after, you know, because it's how funny he's bombing. Well, that's what we were thinking when we hired our friend uh, um, Neil Hamburger. Neil Hamburger, yeah. Because part of his thing is he's kind of the worst comedian ever. Is yeah. part of his his uh, his shtick. Yeah, that's even life. though he's actually one of the most hilarious. Mm-hmm. But uh, his persona, you know, his character that he's got. Just to tells these horrible punchlines to the most hilarious setups. <laughs> yeah, you know about you know the Chili Peppers disgusting <laughs> yeah. hygiene and Courtney loves disgusting. I love the, pussy uh, the Michael and, Jackson why Michael Jackson dangles baby off the balcony. Yeah, what was that? It was punishment for not finishing his plate of cum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just, oh. So it's like cranberry so the, the audience, the audience is just so fucking good. booing and just but ha- but half of them are like fucking exploding with laughter. But the idea was that when he gets booed or or you know people want him to get off stage, he he he's like the Incredible Hulk, where he just gets stronger. It's fuel, yeah. yeah. Or like King Kong, when you try to zap him with electricity. Yep. He actually gets more he gets muscly, more gorillier. Um, <laughs> I, so I, that was a good. I remember for reading us. a review in a in a it was a London, it was a review I think maybe from a, a British newspaper. If you guys played in in England and and they, they reviewed Neil Hamburger like he was an actual comedian, like he needs to go back and rework his jokes. Like, like <laughs> you're Britain. You totally should get yeah. this. What the fuck? Yeah, and Neil Hamburger doesn't amazing. like doing well. It's like he seems to like resent the crowd when they're laughing at him. He seems he'd rather go to a place that doesn't know who he is. Or Although he's, he is kind of a complex dude. Sometimes his feelings will be hurt if they don't like him in a certain way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's particular about the way he wants to be despised. That is a very interesting approach to performing where you are trying to, I mean, because usually as comedians, you're just like, oh, I just want people to laugh. But when you're trying to engineer a specific kind of reaction in a specific way, that is, that's yeah. some weird next level comedy writing <laughs> shit. Yeah. yeah. That's how I felt when I first saw him. I was like, this guy is, is on another level. But, but, uh, for this upcoming tour, we found a band that we've actually played with before that we think is going to be really good. They're not funny. They're just really, really good rock and roll. Yep. From from uh, Detroit, and uh, their their sound is so strong and just basic, like uh, <coughs> mm, just uh, pure. That I think the audiences will be forced to enjoy. And they're they're like they they got a good strong sound and they can withstand any kind of. Uh, Do they have a name? Oh, the sites. The sites. You ever heard the of the sites? sites? No. What sites yeah, spelled S I G H? Yeah, S I G H T S. And they're they're opening for you on this tour? Well, I don't know yet. We've asked them to. Do we know if they're coming? They think I think they might. I think it's gonna. Why would they not? Uh, because they might be because. like they might say, what "The fuck, man, we're not clowns." 
I don't care. I don't care how big a tour it is. We're not fucking clowns. We're not opening for clowns. And then one guy raised his hand. He's like, well, I kind of always wanted to be a clown. That's why yeah. I got the small car. And drive to gigs. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. They will win the audience over with the power of their rock. It's probably better, Thank actually, you. to have a straight. That's kind of funny. Is like having a comedian open for a band, but having a stra- having a straight band open for... Uh, you know, for for you guys. I mean, I yeah. Cross really... did that. He had uh, what was it like a uh, baby fat or whatever open up for Who him. Did? Uh, David Cross. Oh, he did. He had like a normal band open up for him when he was going on tour. That's kind of nice. Yeah, I, it was nice. It was like nice hanging out and just talking, yeah. and then getting ready, getting settled for a comedy. I show. really enjoyed yeah. seeing the sort of um, the drifting of the two of the, the, uh, the of the of the spheres together of like cool music and comedy, like at Bumbershoot or you know Sasquatch or Sasquatch. Someone's fucking grandmother. <laughs> that that that, that, that Sasquatch is. guy. He's a Sasquatch. Remember when Sasquatch fought the uh, six million dollar man? That, <laughs> that was, was a good. good. Uh, the Sasquatch Festival or any of those festivals? Do you, do you guys? Where do, where do you do you are you comedians who play music or are you musicians who are funny? Oh my god! Well, I mean, uh, early on, I would have said we we were way more comedian than music, but now I feel like uh, we put a lot of we put a lot of sauce, a lot of our rocket sauce into the music. I'd yeah, say when we started, it was uh, it seemed like it was more sketch, yeah, kind of thing. But now, uh, and we were playing with. Uh, yeah, those big, those alternative comedy shows. We really were just trying to make the greatest album of the year. We're really going for the gold in that respect. But it's still, all of our songs have to have a comedic core. Although our anti-religion song, you, you say, is not funny. I think it's still funny. It sounds hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this time around, I don't think we're going to have the big... Uh, comedic shtick that we had the, on the last tour where we had a, a major like uh, set built and and, uh, and the comedy movies. No. This time we're really just we're just trying we're to blow people's minds with down. our music. So no Liam Lynch shorts this time during the shows? Not as of now. It's there's We still have a couple months before we have to Yeah, do you have on. any ideas? Got a few. Yeah? You can send those over. Sure. Fax those over. Yeah. First of all, I like a, have I an like opening a... band of clowns. It'd be really yeah. funny if they show up and you're like, okay, guys, here's um, your clown suits. Like, but it's, a, it's a band of horses doing clown cover songs. Oh, that would clowns, be amazing. Yeah. That would be so what amazing. What if we came out in blue makeup? Like the Blooming Group? Oh, shoot. Oh, <laughs> I, was, I was reading on YooHoo this morning. There are actually blue people. What? That there's like a, a very, very small percentage of human beings are born with a, a genetic imperfection that causes their pigment to go blue. Did you think the Smurfs was a documentary? No. <laughs> okay. But it, no, this is a, re- a real story. I'm not joking. And, uh, are all the Smurfs blue? And then I was thinking, no. those poor people must have really hated it when Blue Man Group became <laughs> big. They were like, oh my God, being these guys are in blue face. That's yeah. totally <laughs> shitty. That's not cool. So They're racist. making fun of us. Uh, what is this? This is the 2000s. This is where we're at. This. I think I think it'd be fun if you guys did. I think it'd be fun if you did a, a tribute to a really specific disorder that had like 30 people. You're like, we really got to do something. Like you should do your you should do your blue pigment uh, uh, tri- charity tribute song. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> How'd you, why would you make fun of a serious situation? <laughs> I mean, it's not, I don't know. I'm not trying to. It's, it's, it's very so offensive. riffing, I thought. No. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, do, do you, 
would you ever have been in a serious band or did you kind of need comedy to be the gateway into music? Well, we tried. I mean, I, I tried to be in a real band in high school and uh, zero people were interested. I mean, we played at, a, at one of those high school parties and I remember we just did covers and I was just singing straight like Black Sabbath uh, cover mm-hmm. and uh, 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 Thin Lizzy or something. I can't remember all the songs we did. I think we did an ACDC and... And people were just really bored, and, and I was feeling very self-conscious, uh, just, you know, straight, straight ahead. And then another group of kids that were in the audience that had just, and we had rehearsed for weeks. Sure. And these guys just got together that day and rehearsed, worked up a couple songs, the originals that they wrote that day. And they were like, can we go up now, now that you guys are done and no one's paying attention? Uh-huh. We're like, yeah, sure. And and uh, they started playing this just thrown together thing, and people were like, "Oh wow, look at that!" And they were the hit of the party, and uh, it was sort of a an eye opener for me. And that band was Big Star. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I actually love Big Star. No, they're great. great. Yeah, that's a. It's kind of a, a, a tragic story. It's a secret. It's a sort of a secret, though. What happened? That nobody really knows how awesome Big Star is. They, it's weird. The only song people tend to know is the uh, the song that was the opening of uh, um, that '70s show. What was the what the song? Hanging they, out. Oh, they they have so many other amazing songs. Yeah, like, I know, but that's like the one people always. He know. has a song called "13" that he wrote when he was 13. Yeah. It's really awesome. And yeah, Alex yeah. Chilton. Yeah. Yes. So good. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But um, where did he die of? But Cage, you Did didn't you, you didn't you have like a like a Simon and Garfunkel type of straight straight uh, thing before the D? Yeah, I was always trying to yeah, yeah. go serious. But. but then when me and Cage got together and we were just jamming, we were thinking from our theater roots. What we, what can we do that would be theatrical? And we and we we uh, started working on. We should write the greatest song in the world, and we should call it the greatest song in the world. And we started working on that. And we worked on it for for a couple of stony weeks, and then we we're like, you know what? This is this is absurd. We'll never be able to write it. Let's write the tribute to the great. And that was the that was that the was that little turn, that little twist. And then once <laughs> we played that, we just went out and played at a little coffee shop, and uh, and it went over. It's fucking huge. And people were just, at least in my in my foggy memory banks. Yeah, I remember it was just unanimous that everyone <laughs> was genuflecting and saying, "Yes, was this is the greatest thing ever." And uh, and ever since then, it was just like, okay, we're only doing funny songs. That became our identity. It was like, well, a song like that, where where it's a superlative in the title of the greatest song in the world, it almost forces you to commit as much as. Because you, you like another part of the other thing that I think makes you guys work so well is you fucking commit so much to the right. to, to the song and the music, and it's just fun. It's just fun to watch. Well, underneath it though, we do have a serious side. Like, remember the other song that we wrote that we never played for people? Oh, the first song. It was about my my painful breakup with a girl yes. who dumped me for her poetry teacher, oh. and uh, it was very sincere. Uh. At one time I could advise, but now I'm lost in my own pain. Oh, it's just so cheesy. You guys rem- remember that song? <laughs> yeah. No, I'd say, I remember it like yesterday. But we'll never play that because... Um, it's not funny. It's not funny. I don't think it's very good. I think it's you like... You hated it pretty soon after we did it. Yeah. It, and um, 
I think yeah, the comedy is kind of like a shield. It protects you totally from criticism. Right. I bet if you did that song, you can now. always just write it off. It's like, like what? Yeah. We were joking. Yeah. Yeah. What you took? You thought that was yeah. I bet if you did the song now, though, it would be way funnier than like <laughs> what it was back what in if, the day. What if Puddle of Mud was like? What if Puddle of Mud was like? You took Blurry seriously? That was a fucking joke. Oh my god! You you perpetrated the greatest. Who's who's? I'm sorry. That's my phone. I forgot to turn it off. Kyle. Don't think that I didn't, by the <laughs> way, notice your Mo Betta Meaty Meat Burgers t-shirt. Oh, fucking awesome. Representing. Pico. Oh, that's awesome. Hasn't so been open. When hungry. was the last time it was open? Dude, I'm on, I'm on a diet. All I can think about are Mo Betta Meaty Meat Burgers. Oh, a five I think guys the health Wilshire. department closed them down, though. Really? And Okie and Dog still yeah, stands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like people, like, a lot of people did know the Tenacious D show, but after High Fidelity, would people kind of go, oh, shit, Jack actually sings. Um, well, you know, High Fidelity, I only got High Fidelity because of uh, Tenacious D. John Cusack was a big Tenacious D fan, and he got, he got me in there. He's a fan of stuff? Yeah. He likes <laughs> you know what's crazy about that? Um, <laughs> I, just wouldn't, I don't know him. I just wouldn't have pegged him as a guy who's a fan the, uh, of stuff. The record store worked out in Venice Beach. A, a guy came in. It was a, like a, a few days before the first D album came out. A guy came in and was like, hey, I just watched this movie, High Fidelity. And a lot of people always brought it up because it was just like you know an indie record store and it would always come up. But uh, he's like, and at the end, one of the guys that works at the record store sings a song. And is he an actual singer? It's like, does he have albums out? And I was like, I thought he might have been fucking with me. I was like, well, he has this album we're listening to right now. It's a comedy duo, comedy music. And he's like, but it's like, but he doesn't sing like standards and uh, old soul <laughs> stuff. I was like, no. Well, but no, then he, I came, did, he came I, back and then he bought the CD because of your singing. Wow. Well, I did do the, on the High Fidelity soundtrack, I do sing uh, the, uh, um, that one song. Buried Drive in the Uptown let, Five? Let's Get It On. Let's Get It On, yeah. But um, um, I keep on seeing. You keep on looking over to you to your phone to see if was, are you distracted? Because I'm distracted by you being distracted, Cage. No, I just want to turn it off. I feel bad. Can you turn off Kyle's it's phone, please? Spiker has turned off the phone. Thank yeah. you. Oh. Uh, but oh. but I had something. <laughs> I, I had something a very poignant. I wanted to say. Can we take a long pause while I remember? Um, and pause. pause. Oh. It wasn't high fidelity that got us going. What what got us going was because uh, we were playing the, the rooms and people were digging it. We're playing like to eighty and ninety people would come to see our show every every time we played, and then it was uh, Mr. Show. It when when Bob and David of Mr. Show gave us our little HBO shorties. Yep. Once that aired, the very first time, like the very next week, we went out to play a show and it was just like a thousand people. Jesus. And. Uh, then it was ju- it was just off to the races from there on out. How do people know? We've been about playing it? to a, thou- a minimum of a thousand. That was before the interweb. But that just it's a testament to the power. And now whenever anyone says, "Hey, what can we do? We want to be like the D," it's always like, "You know, just get a TV show and you're set." <laughs> <laughs> That's all <laughs> you got to do. Yeah. Like for instance, this I haven't seen their live show, but apparently. Metalocalypse, mm-hmm. you know this? Yeah, Brennan Small yeah. show. Hilarious uh, animated heavy metal show. Yeah. Uh, they go on tour. He's the most successful, like, speed metal. Uh, yeah, he has, like, the highest uh, uh, charted death metal album of all time. Isn't that crazy? That's yeah, weird. What? And they'll go yeah. out and play to packed houses all over the nation. And yeah. metal, like, big metal. What's the uh, name of that album? Things. 
the album? Yeah. Uh, I think just Death Album. I mean, but speed metal is a very small is yeah, sub, no, it's a very, subset yeah, it is. genre. Like, who? What's the second most selling under Metal Apocalypse? <laughs> it's like it's got to be like a Slayer album, right? It's got to be Slayer, maybe. Yeah, but Rain, he's another, Rain and Blood. Brendan's another Probably. guy who is like he's a Berkeley School of Music. Like he fucking shreds. Yeah. He's like Kineski. He's like Kineski that way. They just you just their hands go a million miles an hour up the neck of the guitar, and yeah. they're just totally calm face. Yeah, <laughs> it always freaks me out. Just played Ingve Malmstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but exactly. then when they play, they're not really on stage. It's right? like a gorilla show where there's a big screen with a bunch of animation on it, and he has like guys from all these old school death metal bands, like Obituary and stuff like that, playing with him. So wait, there, there, there is they play, live music. Yeah, they yeah. play behind a screen like gorillas. Right. Yeah. But they could easily not. They could, yeah. It could just be to tape. Yeah, he doesn't good. have like to Daft, be there. They could like show their shows. Yeah. Yeah. Why is well, it's he It's like there? Daft Punk. It's like, you know, do they really... There's just two guys no, in helmets on a fucking pyramid. Do you really think they're playing the stuff? It could be anybody in those things. If you just really wanted to be a cynical money-making scheme, you would say, we're going to send out 10 of these. I'm not going to be in it. I'm going to be in my living room. Yeah. Franchise it. You don't have to be there. No. It's a guy fucking with a future helmet pressing a button. Like, there's a, like I was at, a, I was at a, the, G, the game developers convention this pa- a couple days ago, and I went to like a video game party, and there was a guy who was a DJ. Now, I know there are good DJs in the world, so I'm not disparaging the DJ uh, profession, but this guy just had basically his iPad like mounted on what were two fake turntables, but he wasn't even fake spinning them. It was really just a playlist. He could have emailed a playlist. (laughs) But he was basically But it would have been his playlist. Yeah, exactly. He was just a set piece (laughs) to look like someone was actually doing something, but there was no mixing. It's just for some promoter to be able to go, we got a DJ. Yeah. Dude, now that there's iPods and playlists, it's got to be the biggest bummer for DJs. They're almost replaced now. All you have to do is get a DJ or... Just plug in my iPod. I made yeah. a kick-ass playlist last or you night. Have to, you have to be really good. Who was the DJ you saw that you said was juggling vinyl albums? Uh, it was uh, Beck's DJ for uh, <laughs> DJ Swamp. It was DJ Swamp. Uh, I saw him on the Mutations tour, and the dude's like throwing up records, changing shit, catching it, mixing it in. It was Listen fucking incredible. The, the gimmicks you have to come yeah. up with though, yeah, to yeah. stay relevant is the juggling. Is Not since Tom Cruise and Cocktail. Guys, are, we, are we back to clowns? <laughs> <Is> it, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just saw a cocktail recently. I could I can't take my eyes off it if I bump into it. I, I got the hippie it. hippie shake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still can't figure Tom. out Cocktails and Dreams. That when he pours, he rings. <laughs> that was the name that was the name of the thing. It was so on the nose it yeah. had to be cocktails. My dream is to open a place called Dreams. Well, you want to think outside the box for a hair? So is yeah. it really Tom Cruise taking your role from yep. Rock of Ages? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Stacy Jacks. Stacy Jacks. It's going to be interesting. Did he contact you to say, I want to meet the guy who originated this role? <laughs> we worked together for months in secret in, <laughs> in, a, in a rehearsal bunker uh, neath the Hollywood Hills. Do you think he's going to pull off the metal vocal that's required? He, I, he's not singing, at, is he? I believe he is singing. I, he at he this point, God, he can do everything. At this point, I believe like he's one of those guys that has a commitment. Like, yeah, he'll probably pull it off. Like, yeah. he just... He fucking, when he focuses on a thing, he just does it. Dude, he puts all his Psy-Tai powers to bear. Are you going to say There it is. There it is. There it, is. All of it. it was the elephant <laughs> in the room. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think, I think a song own. called Elephant in the Room would be amazing <laughs> yeah. where you just that talk about all that stuff. Yeah. And the chorus is just, there's an elephant <laughs> in the room. <laughs> I think we did it. You know, it's just guys hanging out. <laughs> 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 
Street Fighter Street Fighter's house in yeah. Syria. Like, I was just saying the thing that everyone was thinking. What an asshole. Everyone thinks I'm a dick. He put his mind to it. Uh, he has anything. extra special powers. Yeah. yeah. More than you and me. If anything, I probably just initiated a few people who wanted to get involved. <laughs> You're helping out the cause. I, yeah, I don't know what his, I don't know what his uh, portrayal is going to be. But is, dude. going to be like. Uh, I saw him. Uh, God, all my stories are fucking uh, Hollywood bubble stories. But I, I saw, I met him one time at a at an event. It was like a fundraiser for, for a thing. Mel Brooks. For Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't ever see a, a celebrities except for that one Mel Brooks thing. <laughs> but no, he he was there, and and uh, we were talking, and and I felt the need to uh, to. To tell him that uh, I loved Magnolia, mm-hmm. and I thought yeah. he was amazing in Magnolia. And he should get with uh, with Paul Thomas Anderson and do some more stuff because that collaboration was my favorite of his stuff. And he's like, "Yeah," and he seemed a little off put by it. And then we didn't speak again after that. And I was like, <laughs> "Wow, what did, did you I go say? Home going, did I, maybe I, I should have said Cruise? Top Gun. What did, what did <laughs> oh, I?" Shit. And then I found out later that Paul Thomas Anderson was making. This kick-ass um, Scientology too. movie, Scientology oh, that's movie, right? Yeah, with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman playing, you know, uh, L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, and I was like, of course, that's why that a wall of ice came down oh. when I mentioned Paul Thomas Anderson, his former friend, oh. the betrayer <laughs> of the Scientology. I believe this knife <laughs> is yours, Paul Thomas Anderson. I pulled it from my back. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a loving tribute. How does he know it's going to be? Yeah, scary? Yeah. It's true. Is that possible? By the way, Tom Cruise was uh, again. He, I thought he was great in Tropic Thunder. I, I think I honestly, I think I imagine everyone listening to this podcast has seen Tropic Thunder. But if you have not, it the movie was fucking yeah, phenomenal, it's great. so phenomenal. Yeah, you okay? <laughs> no, it's just a power sniff to go along with that <laughs> power sniff. Power that. sniff. <laughs> It was a power sniff of things. I was wondering why the table moved your way. It was such a powerful <laughs> sniff. <laughs> it's a running thing me and Kyle have. When uh, when you make a good, powerful point, or you win or something, that's when the sniff is uh, my mom released. Always, my mom would always drop that after she'd say something passive-aggressive. Yeah, well, That's fine if you don't want to come over this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> is that punctuate? Is that... <laughs> sensory punctuation that you're throwing at me? Yeah, I must I seem really passive-aggressive because of my allergies, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's my mom being passive-aggressive yeah. to me. But uh, just, uh, uh, I want to kind of, I'd love to have you guys do a couple songs, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about Rise of the Phoenix, uh, mm-hmm. which, what what is the drop date on that? <laughs> drop date is uh, May 15th. May 15th. So I I was fascinated by this album because it is li- it is. What I was not expecting is that it is autobiographical. It's like this yeah. autobiographical journey from yeah. the last D album to this one. Yeah. And it, like, the first line of the first song is just. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, if they had a lackluster performance on a, an album, the next album, they would just try to ignore that that last album even happened. They would sweep yeah. it under the rug and, and say, uh, here comes another great album. But we thought it was important to to face the uh, the uh, the box office failure head on. 
What, <laughs> right was, the, what the was the line? It was like, no one. When the pick of destiny was released, it was a bomb. <laughs> and all the critics said that the D was done. The sun had set and the chapter had closed. But one thing no one thought about was the D would rise again, just like the Phoenix. We'll fucking rise again. Yeah. I think that song and then the Ballad of Hollywood Jack, I thought was fucking powerful. And Rage Cage. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, that was the elephant in the room. You know? And you uh, really, I mean, like, is there on any level, it really feels like, even though it is a comedy album, you're sort of making fun of it, you are kind of taking control, but it does feel like it comes from a sincere place. Like you're really kind of working through some stuff that you had to deal with. It's true, and I'm glad you picked up on that. Because when we when we wrote the song, we were thinking, uh, you know, uh, it's no secret. I've I've had some uh, some big breaks as a result of Tenacious D that maybe, uh, you know, KG has uh, been left in the dust in some respects. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, just because there may be well, just some to be subtle about it. Just because there may be some emotional rawness there doesn't mean that we we shouldn't mine it for comedic gold. So uh, we sang a song about it. How uh, you know I have gone on and become Hollywood Jack, mm-hmm. and Kyle has slowly fermented and become the Rage Cage. <laughs> And uh, I'm working with DJ Jazzy Jeff. At the and, moment. you know, a lot of bands would just ignore that and say, no, 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 everything's cool, man. Everything's fine. We, look at us. We're just, we're both uh, kicking ass. But we thought, no, let's take this head on. Let's tell the tale. Hollywood Jack and the Radio. And, of course, it's, uh, it's embellished a bit. It's, it's, uh, it's not really all, all real. But uh, that's more rock and roll than most rock bands. Because you're actually are, dealing with a real thing. Yeah. But we like to we like to to take it and amplify the truth till it it it, it takes on like an epic scale. But uh, I'm proud of that song in particular because because of its dramatic feel. You know, it's very uh, it's very emotional in a way that none of our songs had been before. You know, it's very uh, it, it uh, scales some emotional terrain. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the, on the cover of the album Rise of the Phoenix, the phoenix rising from the ashes mm. looks very similar to a dick and balls. I don't know if... I have no idea what you're talking well, about. Well, it's like, a, you know, like, you know how like you have a balls and like a cock stalk that sticks up if you have a boner? Cock stalk? Yeah, yeah. You could just call it a cock. Well, but it's like, but it's the stalk of it that makes it stand up, mm. right? <laughs> I'm aware of, of what you're talking right. about. Right, so it's very it's a hydraulic sim- phenomenon. Like the, you, yeah, it is. <laughs> So it um, looks like a it, it very very similar in the album cover. I don't. I think that maybe says more about you. Whoa! You know what you're seeing. All I see is is a tremendous majestic firebird. Jonah, did you force your head down onto the album when I gave it to you, or is that just something that? Well, yeah, that's just because I'm kind of an you know ornithology fanatic. Right, and I right. really was just uh, wanted to get a closer look. <laughs> I'm a fi- I'm an elemental ornithologist. Yeah. I. Uh, I uh, I can see how you might be confused though, because the head is purple, right? And the and the uh, the muscly round legs are are blue, right? But um, yeah, we had the concept for that album cover art uh, when we were just thinking, look, it's Rise of the Phoenix. The cover should be a phoenix rising 
uh, and we did a rough sketch of it, and we sent it off to this artist that, that the producer was friends with. He said, this guy's the best artist. He is the best, and he's the best like heavy metal concept guy you will find. So we're like, yeah, we sent it off to him, and, and uh, he came back with this, this painting of, of this phoenix that was so sort of disturbing and, and, and real and, and, uh, and, uh, and scary that I was, I was like, no, that, that can't be the cover. That's just too nightmarish. And then I went back and I looked at it the next day and I thought, it has to be the cover. It's one of the most <laughs> magnificent things I've ever seen. What a change. Well, it was just, you know, sometimes when you see a thing for the first time, you're like, oh, no, I don't like it. And then you come back, and you, you, once you've had a, a little time to marinate, you go, no. But that, it affected you. Yeah. It stayed with me. I yeah. kept on thinking about it. And uh, it was like the same way that I felt when I saw No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. That ending was so fucking harsh that I was like, I don't like it. Why did they have to end it like that? Why did fucking what's-his-name get killed? And why did that, spoiler alert, uh, have to end like that? But then after a couple of days, I was like... That was the best movie of the year. You're still thinking about it. I'm still thinking it about it. It has to be, yeah. though. And that's the way it is with the uh, cock and ball cover. I mean, the, <laughs> the Rise of the Phoenix. Oh, my God. The, the, I, here's a question for Hollywood Jack. Is it... When you achieve the level of success that you have achieved, which is... for If you're a comedian, you're a comedic actor, performer, like, that's, that's the biggest that you... Is it, how do you... Is it weird to, when you can do any movie you want... Like, how do you pick a movie when, when you go from like, oh, I'm just an actor and I hope I get cast in something to you can do anything you want. Is that, is that even more scary or does it feel awesome? I've really just followed my nose. I don't know. It's just, you know, you work with the people that, that seem like that, that are interesting to you. If, they, if those people, I, I, I'm not one of those uh, guys who's, who's writing all my own material and, and, uh, and lining it up 10 years in advance, like some people. I, I just go with, with uh, if there's someone that's really interesting that I want to jam with, and uh, then that's, that's what I'll do. But I don't, I don't really have the 10-year the plan. There are, I have heard of some people with the, the weird 10-year plan. Where I heard, I heard when, when Mil, Will Smith first popped, yeah. they, I don't know, I'm sure this is an oversimplification of what happens, but it's like they went into an office. and they looked, at, office. They, looked at every, <laughs> they looked at every kind of movie that was a huge hit, and they mapped out his career for like the next several years. And when you look at his career, like, oh yeah, he did this, and he did a superhero movie, and then he did a drama, and then he did this thing, and he did, like, it's right. every kind of movie wow. that, would, that would be huge. Yeah, and it all started with that alien one. Independence Day. Independence Day. Day. I think we might have just thought of the concept for the next Tenacious D Wasn't album. Wasn't it Six Degrees of Separation? That that's, then, that, that's not the one that got him going. That, that, that got one? him acting respect where people were yeah. like, yeah. oh, he can actually right. act in things. Yeah. And then Independence Day was the one that made him a box office Smash. where they uploaded a virus to alien technology with a MacBook. Was the Maybe our next album could be Dependence Day. No. Oh, <laughs> fucking sweet. About it, it's the, the, D bl- the D stops an alien invasion with the power of rock. Yeah. That's it. Oh, wait. It would just be called Pendence Day. <laughs> Tenacious D. Pendence Day. Yeah. Do you guys want to play? It would play? definitely be the dequel. Can you play it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Sorry. Sorry. Somebody had to. I applaud uh. and weep. 
uh, at the same time. Uh, could you guys, would you mind playing a, a, a song or 20? Um, I wish we had some right. guitars yeah, let's here. Play some, mm-hmm. Let's play, some, let's let's play a song it. or two. Do you know what, you know what we should play? No. All right. Are you going to play stuff from uh, Phoenix? Yeah. Of cool. course, right? What are we going to yeah, celebrate the old we? stuff? On our, no, but I do. I do <laughs> Wait, have one. Going? I do have one request. No, we could play one new one and one old one. What's Radio Free Europe, fucker! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was more like Radio Free Europe, fucker. <laughs> so it made it. Yeah, it's all part of it. Have I not been hearing that song right all these yeah. years? That's what they meant, man. Well, Michael Stipe seems like he has a great sense of humor right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Stipe cornered you at a party? I did, yeah, and he was in the middle of talking. He like uh, he busted out uh, a little makeup kit and like applied some golden eye shadow. Oh no! Which I was like, uh, just intimidated. Like, what? Why are you putting on <laughs> no makeup words. right now in the middle of a sentence? It's just us talking. You don't have to do that for my benefit. Could we warm up too? You can warm up. Is there time for warm ups? Yeah, warm up. Okay, hold on. I just took a a, a major uh, singing lesson from a a dude named Seth Riggs. It's like the best Hello, in, the, in the industry. Hello, ding dong. Did he's like a uh, he's eighty one years old and he uh, was like uh, Ray Charles and Michael Jackson's main vocal coach. So I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> charged me like 400 bucks and then at the end he was like what you should do is uh make the songs lower so they're more in your range just transpose them down to a lower key like really that's that's the advice okay. you really do have to do the thing that vibrates your vocal cords and warms them up well a part of his his philosophy is uh when you sing the high notes, make your throat go, make your your vocal box go vertical instead of horizontal. Oh, okay. But I'm not sure how. I didn't understand the concept of what. What am I supposed to do? You got to make the vowel avoid certain vowels. Like, don't sing ah. Eh. Uh, sing oh, I don't have it yet. I need to go back and pay more money for him once again to tell me just sing the songs lower. But then also do this. Well, I got it. Go. Yeah. All right. This is a song um, for all the roadies out there. It's called Roadie. Well, it's 3 p.m. time to lug the gear. Got to get it on the stage. My muscles flex, my fucking sweat will save the day. When I check the mic, I fucker check the mic, I fucker check, I check a one, two, three. I plug it in, I make it sound as good as can be. Cause a rock is a rock, but the road is a road. Gotta take the mic, it gotta take control. Gotta get that shit up on that fucking stage. Cause the roadie know what the roadie knows And the roadie knows that he wears black clothes And he hides off in the shadows off the stage Because the roadie Looks a thousand miles with his eyes And when the crowd roars Brings a teardrop to the roadie's eyes Tears of pride 
Because he brought you the show But you will never know He's changing the strings While hiding in the wings No matter how hard The show must go on And then a beautiful girl come to me She say, hey, can I suck your dick? I say, yes, I am in love But then she quickly say, I sucked your dick And now give me that backstage pass I do not want you, Rody. I want cages showed Ah, I'm standing at the threshold of your dreams Without me, there'd be no sound from those amps Without me, there'd be no lights on the stage. But you don't applaud for me. No, I am the roadie. Lonesome warrior searching for his soul. Yeah, I am the roadie. I make the rock go. What was your request, kids? Wait. What? Did you just... I see some whispering going on. What if they whispered? Don't worry, I can read lips. And Kyle just (laughs) turned around and hit me in the head with a guitar and they ran out. (laughs) That'd be a good end to a podcast. Forever. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go out on one... like Go out on top of Chris. Yeah. (laughs) This is body. Oh, yes. Dead body with the guitar shrapnel. Okay. Do you want to intro it? Yeah, this is a song that we wrote that's uh, an inspirational jam. Um, just about being the best. It's called To Be the Best. To be the best, you got to pass the test. You got to make it all the way to the top of the mountain. You can do it. I don't. You, I'm. I don't 
presuppose that you are performing monkeys, but I have two song requests, and one of them is very short, so it's really like 1.1 song requests. Uh-oh. And you can tell me to fuck myself in the face if you don't want to do it. They would do that anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, one of them is double team, because I was singing it in the shower this morning. Mm, okay. is, that, is that something you feel That's comfortable something, It's something we could do. But you don't have to if you don't want to do it. We I just do it. You... you Yeah. Uh, it's been an amazing podcast. You know, nothing, uh, nothing stirs up the uh, the sexual juices like an incredibly creative podcast. I just, uh, I just need to make love. I'd like to make love to every single listener of this podcast. If only it were possible. I'd like to fuck the whole nation. If it were physically possible. Fuck the nation, now it's out of control. Fuck the nation in every hole. Fuck the nation, now you're making me scream. The nation, the nation. How's it going? That's the first thing I say to you. How's it going? Are you flowing? Oh, listen, honey. Thinking about a couple things to say to you. Showing, growing. Oh man, I'd like to place my hand upon your fucking sexy ass and squeeze. Out of the side hatch With the oils and perfume And incense Now you're grooving Put on a cool 70s groove A funky groove to fuck to A funky groove to fuck to Never been worked down, but you guys do a hunt for your snatch. That's what I'm offering you. You step into our room, uh, and then you smell the perfume. Uh, you lick upon our roundish bed, and then you feel a tickling on your head. It's KG with the feather and the French. I take a little look at the he got the tools. And then you feel something down by your feet. It's me, it's JB. I'm sucking upon your toes. We don't mind sucking on toes. Good luck finding a boyfriend who sucks toes now. Having sex with me and KG. Now you're talking double team. Supreme.
sounded way better than I did in my shower. I, uh, Thank you. I, one, one last request. I, in the early, I'm going to admit in the early days of Napster, when it was okay to steal things, I may have just put Tenacious D into the search bar and gotten a bunch of bootleg uh, live performances. I have a performance of you somewhere. I'm assuming it might be Largo. You guys sang, performed and sang the lyrics to Star Trek theme. Oh, Cage would not be able to do that without rehearsals. Cannot do it. Come on, give it a try. Sorry. <laughs> no. I remember. That's it a great is, one, dude. Though. That is a great one. We should work what, that shit out. How about an acapella version? Dude. We should always have that on I'll tap. Start you off. I'll start you off. Okay. These lyrics were written by Gene Roddenberry, and I contend that he never intended for them to be used in the Star Trek uh, opening credits. But because he wrote them, and officially they are part of the song, he got another check. and included. He would also get his, his weekly check for being the richest, you know, TV show creator. But he would also get another greedy check for the song, which he really had no part. He shouldn't have gotten it, taken half of that money. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, it's still kind of, they are kind of incredible lyrics. All right. Ready? Beyond the rim of the starlight. Wait a second, I also want to say, I think these lyrics are written from the point of view of Captain Kirk's lover that he left on Earth to go on journeys throughout the universe. And she's just looking up at the stars going, God, I love that man. I miss his boner. I want him back on Earth giving it to me. Good. And she's jealous that he's out there fucking alien women on different blue planets. Okay, here we go. Beyond the rim of the starlight, my love is wandering in star flight. I know he'll find in star-clustered reaches love, strange love a star woman teaches. And I know his journey ends never. His star trek must go on forever. But tell him as he wanders the starry sea, remember, remember me. a fucking podcast <laughs> that is how you end a podcast tenacious d thank you so much oh. for being here uh, uh rise of the phoenix may 15th uh kg jb i am hugging you both in my heart thanks for being here enjoy your burrito everyone now leaving nerdist.com enjoy your burrito This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST.